We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I'm trying something new based on your feedback. Stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, Thanks for listening. Now, on to my guests for today, Angel Ribbo, CEO, confidant, and founder of the nonprofit Wisdom for Kids. Six years ago, Angel had a spiritual experience that led him to leave corporate America and found both a business and a nonprofit. Originally from Spain, Angel's parents encouraged him to learn other languages, which led him to pursue a career that took him all over the world. He now helps CEOs and successful entrepreneurs expand their businesses on a global scale. Founded with his friends in Mexico, Angel started Wisdom for Kids because he wanted to help the high number of kids living in poverty that he saw frequently in the course of his business travels. Drawn on the insights gained from the work of one of his co-founders, a well-known professor of education in Mexico, and the work they subsequently did, he developed programs to connect with kids and help them build skills in entrepreneurship. Now, let's get better together. Angel Ribbo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jerry. Uh, Jerry, excuse me. That's okay. That's <laughs> and, okay. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you, everybody listening to us today. What a blessing to be here. Yeah, it is actually really, really cool to talk to you. You know, we met through matchmaker.fm, as I always like to I gush over those guys because I get a lot of great um, guests from there. But, Absolutely. you know, what we were talking about before we started recording was what you're doing with kids in Latin America and like your whole kind of goal of the world and your like life's mission is just so cool and something that I'm just so aligned with. And, Thank you. you know, we're, we're going to talk all about that for sure. <laughs> um, Let's get it rolling. Yeah. Les. So, but you know, before we do that, I like to kind of level set everyone and sort of, you know, get to know you real quick. And so why don't you let Thank us you. know um, how you got to do what you're doing today? Absolutely. So I probably would say that um, the main guilt, 
goes to mom and dad, you know, I'm originally from Spain uh, and uh, for some reason, you know, they they both wanted me and my siblings to learn foreign languages. And it was the one that took the most advantage of it. So I learned French and English. And for some reason, at some point in the 90s, I decided to really take completely 100% of my time, like into a career, into an international adventure. Uh, uh, and th- that was probably the reason why I ended up where I am today, which is Plano, Texas, north of Dallas, a place which is a basically formed by uh, of up, uh, but so many you know people from so many countries. I mean, there's there's literally it's a melting pot of so many nationalities, and it's amazing how north of Texas has attracted so many also headquarters from so many international corporations in the last few years. But I ended up doing what I do is because uh, five years ago. Or no, six years ago already. Oh my God, time flies. Last year was like a like a parenthesis in, in everybody's <laughs> pause in everybody's life. Exactly in everybody's life. So so basically, I left corporate America and uh, you know I became an entrepreneur. And at the same time, I did two things. Basically, I set my own business and my brand is, as you know, the CEO confidant. And also, I launched uh, you know our nonprofit, which is called Wisdom for Kids. I did both things at the same time. Probably because of the main reason why I left corporate America was to take care of my family better than I had taken care of it before. And also because the previous year I had a, literally an, a, a spiritual experience that allowed me to see that if it wasn't me, who was going to take action to help those kids in Latin America? Okay, so just picture this. In 2012, there were 170 million kids in Latin America. 81 of them live under the threshold of poverty. 81 million kids, okay? Of those 81, 22 million don't have drinking water, okay? So imagine how you clean your house, how you wash, how you drink water, okay? So that was 2012. I don't want to see the latest UNICEF stats. I don't want to see them. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we are above 100 million. And it's very easy to say 100 million, right? It's almost a third of the American population. And this is of of this vast, you know, territory called, you know, uh, Latin America under, you know, our, our you know, southern uh, border with, with Mexico, Mexico and, 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 and down there, right? So I had this spiritual experience that allowed me to see that throughout my career, I had always reached out to high-level executives to close those businesses. I had always worked with high-tech companies serving any kind of manufacturing company in Latin America first and then in North America. So I was always having those connections with the C-level executives to close the businesses for my own company and for my partners and distributors and resellers at that time. But every single time I would go to these places to close those businesses or to make product demos or you name it, negotiations, whatever that was, obviously outside all those manufacturing plants, guess what? Tons of kids offer me candies, bottles of water. Senor, senor, I would love to wash your car while you are inside the plant. I would love, to, I would love or we would love to keep your car safe while you are inside. That was consistent, consistent, consistent. And one day I was extremely like exhausted in Mexico City. Uh, it was actually the 21st of March. It's incredible. The 21st of March in 2015. But I had this experience in which for no reason, I just started to literally cry and, and having those images of Angel, you've seen so much poverty. And at the same time, you have developed also all this amazing relationship with so many powerful people in the region. Why don't you do something about it? Yeah. You know, and I said, yeah, if it's not me, who? Mm. That was the main question. Mm. Jerry, that was the main question. If not you, who? Who is more ready to do this? Who can say that has developed all those relationships with all these powerful people at the same time who can really go to any place in the continent with no fear to help those kids? I lived in Latin America myself for almost 10 years. How many, how many times do you, do you think I had like any sort of security safety incident? Not one, not one. Is it that I'm, I'm a very risk averse guy? Not at all. I'm, re- I'm fearless. <laughs> That's who I am. And I tell you, I, I mean, for you, for the guys listening to us that have ever been in Latin America and you yeah. go to industrial areas, oh, yeah. when, you, when you go to the assembly plants in the border, that's where I would spend a lot of time in the assembly plants in the border with the U.S. That's the wild, wild west. I tell you, mm-hmm. I never had an issue. Not one. Never. Why? Because I just focus myself on very high energy just to do good in this world. That's it. Yeah. You know, I've, I've never had fear. So 
you know, I decided, you know, I reached out to a friend of mine. Hey, I had this crazy experience yesterday. Would you join me in these adventures? He said, yes, a business partner of mine in Mexico. Then he brought in his father and the wisdom for kids was, was born. Wow. Yeah. That's the story. <laughs> Ooh, there's a lot to unpack there, actually. Um, Sorry about that. Maybe no, 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 no. A, I a love shorter, well, a shorter well, introduction. So, Sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, so this is the thing, right? Like we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. I do the same thing for kids in the inner city here in the United States, specifically mm-hmm. for professional players, professional football players, right? I have a couple of clients. Everyone knows about this, right? And the, this is the thing. It's also even me living in here, the United States, in Silicon Valley, right, San Francisco, go to like the poor part of Memphis or Nashville or wherever we would go. Um, I had the same epiphany. You know, you see these kids who are just full of life and who literally just want the opportunity to learn. And I mean, they hustle. And I remember, like, even in like the poorest parts of this country in in America, there's the same sort of repetitive, you know, cycles of poverty, institutional problems where who is going to come and, you know, help out. And not to say that the government and all like, fine, like they all want to do that. But entrepreneurs, honestly, for me, we solve problems and fix things. We're the creatives of the business world. If anyone's going to believe it can happen, it's going to be us. <laughs> I, like, I agree. They're like, ah, oh, you're crazy. Okay, good. I'm in. You know, like, that'll never work. I'm in, right? And and so that's really powerful, like, thought process. And I also think that entrepreneurship is the way to solve all of these poverty problems. And really, like, let's make the world better by giving communities the power to help themselves and give them the resources and opportunity. Because people know what they need and what they want. Like no central government's going to like tell you how to, you know, you in the barrio or the the inner city, like, oh, this is what you need. No, man, I need to eat. <laughs> or I need, you know what I mean? Exactly, right? So totally, yeah. So I'm I'm curious how. So how how now are you thinking about? You know, you you've got you know obviously effort in Latin America. I'm assuming you know eventually you know, how that grows. What are your plans on how to make that happen? And how are, what kind of entrepreneurial skills are you teaching these kids? Yes. So the first thing is that I think there's, and you, you will, you will relate to this. uh, Well, the first thing with it, so to put that that into perspective, the first thing with it is, okay, what kind of entrepreneurship do these kids need? Okay. Yeah. Good. So, so the first thing, actually, that's why we brought my, my friends back because it happens in God's plan, right? It happens that this that my friend's dad had been the teacher of thousands and thousands of teachers in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So Mexico has 130 million people, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so he had thought he was a professor in the number one college that teaches teachers to be teachers. Okay. Wow. So imagine, so everybody knows him in Mexico. There's not a single city or state or you, you name it that these guys that, that there's not a bunch of teachers that don't know this guy because this gentleman taught them something. On top of this, he's written more than 74, 75 textbooks that are wow. still being used not only in Mexico but in the entire Latin America. Wow. That's the guy. So the guy. when we said when we sat with him, my friend and he his his name is Salvador Camacho, the father, and Salvador Camacho, the son. When we sat with the father. He was generous enough to put two PhD students, two PhD students for over a year, almost two years, to this to, to define what was the most effective way to reach out to kids under those circumstances, mm-hmm. knowing that they would be in poverty, knowing that they would be pre- deprived or of not only material stuff, but also love, self-esteem, you name it. All of it, yeah. Exactly. So besides reaching out to them knowing how to be how to make our workshops very impactful remember teaching entrepreneurship to a western kid has nothing to see with teaching entrepreneurship to someone that lives in poverty it has nothing to see and on top of that that he lives that that person lives he or she they live those kids in another country in another culture if they belong to an indigenous community it's 100 times 
different. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we had to reach those kids in a completely different way. So we made this decision. We're going to reach those kids, not with a whiteboard or a blackboard, but from an energy level standpoint, from an energy level. So we're going to connect with them. So our entry point to those communities with those kids, with those kids, is specifically connecting to with uh, at an energy level so that we start interacting and they feel the they feel the connection and then they're open to listen. Mm. So let me tell you, literally I'm going to tell you the first five minutes of our workshop. It's like this. It goes like this. None of the kids knows us, right? Whoever is conducting the, the, the workshop has a U, UE Boom speaker, one of these loud speakers, wireless, on their hand, it can be me if, I, if I'm happy to, if I'm lucky to be in Latin America. I put a loud music. I'm not going to, I'm going to disclose which, which group it is <laughs> because I don't want to pay royalties. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in the process of reaching out to them to allow, so that I am allowed to use their music. And then I start jumping up and down and doing a silly, the most silly choreography you can think of. Guess what those kids do? They Holy. jump. They, they jump, jump up, up and down yeah. with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they it's don't know wild. me of anything. Who's this yeah. weird guy, right? If, if, <laughs> if I went to a if I went to an elementary school in the, here in the US, what would happen? Who's this cringy, corny guy that we don't know of anything doing this stupid thing, right? No, these kids are all with us since second one. And then mm-hmm. we dance with them, we play, we sing, we do quizzes, we talk about self-esteem, we talk, we talk about mm-hmm. what do you want to do when you grow up, mm-hmm. you know, all these kinds of things. And we end up our workshop with a very powerful meditation. Mm. Those kids don't, don't know what the meditation is. Guess what? Second epiphany we had when we started to do this. Kids are natural. Natural in meditating. Natural. Natural. So we define, I mean, and so what we do, we, we ask for permission to use this very specific spiritual music, mm-hmm. very powerful from, a, from one of these insane meditators from actually Silicon Valley. Mm. <laughs> so one of these crazy guys that lives in California. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he said yes. And then we came up with these very powerful affirmations mm. and we conducted meditation. So this only to tell you that we connect with those kids in, as a first stage of our entrepreneurship journey with them in a way that's, that gives us the permission to continue on that route. And that's the most important thing I would like to convey, the most important idea. Don't ever think you, nonprofits of the world, that you are going to do the same thing, that you can transfer things, you can transfer knowledge, you can transfer experience from the Western world to use it in underprivileged areas. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. You know, it's very easy to say we teach them how to fish. But the thing is, the process you're going to use to teach them how to fish is unfortunately wrong <laughs> unless <laughs> unless unless you proof test it unless well, you proof well, test it and and hundred you know this has been my experience as well with uh, inner city kids um, you know I'm a tall white guy with a beard right like <laughs> I have no <laughs> lived experience it. right you know I have no lived experience for what it's like to be a kid in the inner city but the thing I think we all we 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 came to the epiphany exactly the same way we would do these workshops. And the, the, the thing that I learned rather quickly was that you needed mentors and coaches that looked like the kids you're trying to reach. And this is really important because when someone sees themselves in someone they want to be and they got it, they look like them, they talk like them, they're from the same environment, the credibility goes up by orders of magnitude. And I think okay. it's the same thing you found, like you're connecting at a human level and you're at, you are saying, I am with you. I am not above you. I am with you on the journey. Like you and I are the same in this. We are the same. And I can't tell once we figured that out, it was like, oh my golly gee willikers, right? It's like, wow, these kids just open up because you're right. Like there's been a lot of times and you know, you, you have to always cater the message to the market or the, the audience, right? And I know I've seen a lot of nonprofits and of course, a lot of good intending people. They typically look like me, <laughs> typically from Silicon Valley. You know, they're like, oh, we'll just teach them the way we do it. And that's fine when those 
kids, when that community is at the le- your level, when they're not at your level, you need to go to their level and you need to open up your heart and say like, look, I'm here with you. How can I help you? Tell me how to help you as opposed to do this, do this, do this. So honestly, I think you're what you do in Latin America, you could do in the inner city here. And I think you would just adjust it a little bit. And because it's like this fundamental thing, right? Like when, when, when kids, especially kids see adults that look like them, that care about their environment, who they are, you just open the floodgate. Um, Absolutely. And I just, I hope, I hope more people will realize this. I mean, reason why I do this podcast, reason why it's called the entrepreneur ethos is because of the book and the books about how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world through entrepreneurship. You are doing that in Latin America by educating kids on what it's like to be an entrepreneur at where they are at. And that is actually a really powerful lesson for all entrepreneurs even when they're not doing what you're doing or what I do, it's, it's has, how has that, how have, how has the success been? How, how many, I mean, do you guys, how do you measure that? I don't even know how you measure that other than like getting kids out of poverty or which is again, Um, a a complex thing, but, but what are some of the things that you guys have found? Like some, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we obviously, I mean, the most important thing that we have, got from everything we've done is the lessons, the personal human lessons that have allowed us to keep on improving what we do. That's the most important thing. But we measure, I mean, we measure in terms of how many kids we are able to really, you know, impact with what we do, you know, and it, it, there's different levels of impact, right? Impact has many different levels. Like it's like the people that really get involved, that really get engaged with us on, during their workshops, the people that we are able to have conversations after the workshop, because we, I mean, we are like you know the same people the same way that you know at some point your 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 elite athletes you know got scouted by certain teams. We do the same thing with the kids, you know. So we typically are four or five people doing a workshop, even if it's five kids, it doesn't matter. Even if it's five kids there, we're we're really several people of us just looking at you know who is the kid that we think that could have a nice like follow up, and then we could talk to their parents or tutors, and then you know. Hey, we would like to do this with you. We would like to explore possibilities of how to develop maybe some way to add value to your community. Or if it's a if it's a place, sometimes there's indigenous communities which are close to touristic areas. And that, that's a, like a, a big massive blessing for us because that means that there's come money, money flowing from outside the community. So then we can have the kids. And obviously the parents have have a lot of power, obviously, as you can imagine. The power, the the the, the more impoverished the area is. The community is the more the power the tutors and the and the parents have because even if we want to do something with a specific kid that was completely active and engaged was engaged during the session during the workshop maybe that those parents say no 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 we want our kid to keep on working in the fields when he leaves the school every single day and that's what we want and that's it and and end of the story I mean we have we have a story uh, interesting story to tell which is. I mean, we go to communities that obviously not everybody is like open to say, hey, come here and teach us this. We went to a community and the parents weren't really like very happy that we were going, but the the community leader said, yeah, yeah, please come here. Because if you don't come and you don't do this, these kids will never ever in their lives receive something like this ever. So please come here. So there were four or five different parents in the starting at the starting of the session of the workshop. There were like 12 kids the parents were carrying their machetes. That's not, I mean, that's not, it is what it is. Okay. Oh, wow. So that, that's a true story because, Whoa. you know, Just in case, they, they uh, don't know. They don't yeah. know. These kids are coming from Mexico City, right? In this case, you know, we, yeah. we had flown to Mexico City and the other two co-founders live close to Mexico City. They're coming from Mexico City. So, and they're coming to teach what to our kids? Yeah. To do, to do what? Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, so entrepreneurship. So what is this? I mean, because again, you have to translate this. Yeah. Someone that works in the field, you know, cutting the weeds. Yeah. Uh, in order to plant additional corn, coffee, uh, you know, tobacco, whatever that is. Right. They right. use machetes. So they were there. So the good thing is that after the 10 minutes, they said, okay, okay, okay. 
<laughs> you know, this we is put harmless. the machete back, and we this like this is oh. harmless. Yeah, this is harmless. Okay, right. this is harmless. This is, I mean, this is this is not, this is going to, not going to damage anybody. You can continue doing what you do, and and that's okay. You know, but but we understand it, and, and I mean, we, we understand it. Not not everybody. I mean, it's it's so unheard of yeah. that a group of people go to do something for the as for the sake of doing it, and they ask yeah. why? Why do yeah. you do this? And we say, why not? Why not? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, it's not? true. It's true. It, it, yeah, it's so it's just so interesting how jaded people are when they see this sort of help, right? Because traditionally, help has not been help. I mean, it's been what's the agenda? You know, yeah, what's the agenda re- repression. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. What's the agenda? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, open your eyes. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes um, people ask me, you know, what's what's the number one skill you would you would give your kids if you could just leave them with one skill uh, after meditation, which I think is extremely. I mean, if, if if they could keep on meditating for their entire lives, that would change the world like this. Agreed. But Agreed. it's it's developing their a critical thinking, mm-hmm. developed critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Don't take anything by its face value. Don't believe anybody. Do your own research. Go to your heart, you know. Go to your gut, and 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 put that filter, you know. Put that filter immediately. Put that, you know. Put that shield up and and think if this is true. What's what you know? What what can be behind it? Blah blah blah. Do your research. Hey, we have we owe this to our kids. Mm. You know, everything is so is so structured. It's too structured. You mm. know, I, I I mean, as, as anybody else, I have three kids. I've gone through the you know entire you know. Uh, educational formal education system right mm-hmm. and i mean I, my mom is a teacher she's 80 years old she's still in spain you know i have what one one sister is a teacher two nieces are teachers you name it i mean who doesn't have a teacher it's like a doctor who doesn't have a doctor in the family right exactly so right. it's the same thing but regardless we have to teach our kids critical thinking agreed agreed it's I very agree. important if they have to get out of these areas they have to say themselves why not Mm. Or why should I accept this? Mm. Or why should I refuse this? You know, one one day I was I was in, in one of the multiple trips with it, we did. I was by myself with my eight year old for the first time going to that community. He lives here in Texas. Okay? Mm-hmm. God made that the guy that sent that sat next to him. It wasn't my kid because we didn't have the same. We couldn't get like you know uh, tickets sitting next to each other with my son. So my son sat down behind me. Next to me sat one kid of that community. It was a six, six and a half hours bus ride from Mexico City to that community. Okay. And we, we really, we go there by bus. Yeah, we don't rent yeah. cars. We go there by bus. We, yeah, yeah. So the guy that sat, sat next to me was from that community I was going to. It was the third time we were going to that community. He was in, in a college in Mexico City. And he told me, hey, Angel, I am one of the 400 kids that was in that high school of that complete community that you are going to. One, I am only one of the three or four that were able to go to college. And we are only two that were able, were lucky enough to go to Mexico City to college. And guess what, Angel? Guess guess what? Of these 400, I am not by far the smartest kid of my generation. Not at all. I could could tell you as many names as you want of much smarter kids in that community than myself. The only difference is that I really wanted to do it. I had some opportunities presented to me. I took the opportunities. My parents supported me. And that's why I made it. You cannot imagine the amount of talent and gifted kids that right now are working in that community in the fields. Yeah. Picking up or sitting, you know, coffee or whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same in it's the same in the inner city and poor communities here in the U.S., it's, 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 it's sad, honestly. I mean, it's, they just lack the opportunity and the support to do what they want to do. And they're in this, and it's, it, and this is, I get kind of emotional about it because when I go see these things, it's like, what can you do? Right. And even if, you know, you can't help everyone and you have to have in your heart, like, okay, I can't help everyone. This is a big problem. I need to chip at it. 
I need to just start just like every entrepreneur, right? Like, I don't know if this is going to work out. I got to start and go down the path because no amount of planning, no amount of smarts is going to really kind of set you up for success unless you do stuff. You got to do stuff. You got to get feedback and you got to adjust just like anything. It's it's the parallels to entrepreneurship and what you're doing and, and is is awesome because the the thing that a lot of people don't understand about these communities, they, they, they feel bad, of course, and they sort of sit at the top level and they're in their, you know, relative comfort. Don't understand why the kids just don't do what they should do. They know the right thing to do. They, they should pull themselves up by their bootstraps or whatever. And it's like, well, you got to have bootstraps to start. Like they don't have anything. I mean, and, and it's abundantly clear when you go there that, it's a different level. It's, it's total. You have to like, Oh, well, you don't have the basics. Like you don't, you're not even, you don't have enough to eat. If you're a kid and you don't have enough to eat and you are not going to be focused in school, you are going to be struggling from a cognitive point of view, because you're not getting enough calories to feed your body to grow. Right. You're going to have behavioral problems (laughs) because you're hungry. You're trying to survive. Just think when you're hungry as an adult, an affluent community, and you get a little hangry, imagine that every day. And then you start to realize, oh, okay, well, I, this, then, then you can, op- you can kind of like adjust your thinking. And I love the whole critical thinking aspect of it too, because I also think as entrepreneurs, we are better at critical thinking than most. We still need to work on it, but I love the fact of like, no, challenge the assumptions. No, do your own research. Like this is especially true with like product market fit or building a minimum viable product, any of that sort of stuff. It's like, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I actually need to do a lot more work. I need to plan a lot more. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I know, so you sort of, you know, do do the whole philanthropic area, but then you also have a side of your business, yeah. which is mm-hmm. the, the CEO confidant. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously helping CEOs and entrepreneurs sort of, is it, is it to like, is it to be better to like, how, how do you, how does this all fit in? <laughs> I yeah, think there's a you. fit somewhere. I'm just not exactly <laughs> sure where. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. So basically, you know, when I, when I, uh, you know, left corporate America uh, as any, as anybody else, right. Um, you start thinking about what you can do, right. I mean, what, what are you passionate about? What do you like to do? Where's the money kind of going to come from? You know, um, the money's going down, you know, your, you know, your, your, you know, your savings are draining and drying off, right? I mean, that's that's the story that we all go through, but for for some time, right? So I said, okay, so I, I sat down literally and I wrote, wrote down everything I had done in my life. And every time we do that in our lives, every time we have nice surprises, every single time, no exception. No exception. And if we can have someone externally helping us, it's even better. <laughs> it's even better because we tend not to see our own <laughs> our own belly button. Unfortunately, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how fit we are, right? Oh, it, I it, agree. It, yeah, it, it, you right. know, it, it doesn't matter how how fit we are. It doesn't matter. So I started writing down, and I realized that number one, throughout my entire career, I had always like had that experience of reaching out to C-level executives to close business. Every single company I was working with, I was always helping them generate new business, closing and negotiating with C-level executives. That's that we had cons- what is called in the corporate America world, like consultative selling, okay? And C-level selling. Okay, good. So I started writing down, okay, so how many, how many companies have I worked? How many C-levels have I encountered, have I talked to? And when I reached the 1,500 company, I said, okay, so probably it's about 1,500 companies I've helped with their C-level team, CEOs, blah, 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 you name it. And that's why I started to do, so what I do, what I do is basically both with accomplished entrepreneurs and corporate CEOs or corporate C-levels, I help them basically, they hire us because we are a team of people that they hire us to bridge the gap globally for expansion, which is business development, and for exposure, which is more visibility credibility to the markets. So we use global expansion as a way to accelerate the growth of their businesses. That's what we do. I know. And we, since we started, we had clients in Australia, in Latin America, North America, Europe, and basically doing this. So, you know, when, when you very often you have a friend who's an entrepreneur and he goes, 
or you tell your friend, you should take this global. You should take this global. So that's what I do. Yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> okay, so that's cool. what I do. I help entrepreneurs and, and corporations to take their, their businesses global as a way to accelerate their growth. Growth meaning revenue, profitability, cash flow. And yeah, so are there some particular like metrics you look for in order for uh, a company that should go global? Because I know, you know, great, great question. Yeah, because there's a lot of times where people think they may want to go global, but yeah, I, I I see some of this sometimes. So I'm, I'm curious, like based on your experience, what what are some of the things that you should look out for? Well, actually, let me tell you that I see more of the opposite. I see more of the opposite because they think, no, 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 I'm on the, I'm in the internet already. Mm. Anybody who speaks English or Spanish, mm. let's say the two most spoken languages in the country, anybody can. I, I'm already global. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get so the delusion of global. Get it? Okay, okay, cool. You know, cool. so that's not in reality. That's not true, right? Because I mean, to be honest, since. Since we are not taught about collaborations, but collaboration, but rather competition in the school, going back to the same conversation we had before, that's why the kids are such an amazing source of wisdom, mm. you know, regardless of what I go. So what happens is that we don't realize that if we had an alliance or a partnership with someone local, we could really go global. So if we think, let's say someone is speaking in Spanish who is in the US and think, no, 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 my business is already global. Okay, so let me tell you that the decision process for someone in Colombia, in Argentina, or in Chile, is completely different. What would happen if I would I was able to put you in touch with maybe some local marketing company that really knows how to get this done, how to make your value proposition really valuable for the locals? How is your business going to go in that particular place? This is kind of the discussion. So is there a checklist? I'm talking about entrepreneurs now, but the number one thing, if anybody wants to go global, the number one thing is, do they have the cash flow to do it? Do they have the mm. cushion, right? Mm. And I'm not talking about revenues. I'm not talking about profitability. I'm talking about the cash flow. Do they have the cash flow to go, let's say, for a six months, one one year, to investing to go global? Yes or no? Mm. Okay, that's the first question. So we actually go into the nitty gritty of their financials, balance sheet, PL, everything to make sure that they can do this. Number two, you know, their product. Is their product or their service going to make sense to that particular area where we want to go? And through this, you know, me working in 33 different countries in so many continents, blah, 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 I'm able to talk to the local people in order to make those decisions, you know, in a, from a rational point of view. Not just, no, 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 because I think because I downloaded that report online from the government institution. No, 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 no. We're going to talk to someone local that's going to help you put your business in that in front of the of, of, of the audience in that particular you know and number three is, which is actually the most important because very often there's the money there's the customizability of the product or the service but the third one is the most important thing do they really want to leave a legacy behind and do they really want to change okay and I put those of them both of them together because the mindset is always the critical thing here it's not the money it's not it's not the market technicalities. It's the mindset of the CEO or of the entrepreneur that wants to do this. It's that. That's the really important thing. And I, because of who I am, of what I do in the world, I really want to work with people that want to live a legacy. And for me, it's very easy. You know, it's very easy for me to see if, a, if an entrepreneur wants to leave a legacy behind. What do they really want to accomplish with every single thing that they do every single day, right? And do they really want to change? Okay, so, you know, when... Whoever takes, you know, I have my own coach. Everybody has a coach. I think it's good to have an external opinion of yeah. someone in your yeah, life, yeah. right? Yeah. So having a coach and, and sometimes my clients end up asking me, besides, you know, this business development thing and exposure <laughs> and marketing, could you actually help me personally? And I do, I, and I say, yes, as far as you're really going to take it first, excuse me, seriously. Yeah, yeah. If you really want to change, because I'm going to challenge you. Yeah. Every single time that you go out of your home, out of your way, out of your country, there's going to be lots of decisions that are going to be made. And I need you to tell me when you are in doubt, you're going to, I need you to say, why not? Okay. I need mm. you to say, why not? Mm. My favorite business mantra is take imperfect action now. Yep. Take yep. imperfect action now. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to test you every single day. I'm going to test you every single day. I'm going to challenge you, okay? So uh, I tell them, if you're not going to go down that road, tell me now. 
tell me today, okay? Because that's the kind of people I like to work with. I don't want you to be fearless, but I want you to be faithful. <laughs> faithful <laughs> onto not even myself, but onto the strategy that we're going to put in place yeah. to get you to the place, to the market that you want to go. This, yeah. this is basically like my checklist of criteria. No, that's really good because uh, you see and hear a lot of entrepreneurs, especially here in the Valley, may want to go global. And, you know, the mindset's not there or it's like it's for a lot of them. I see that they're just not ready because they haven't really fully defined their offering here. Or I think this goes for any entrepreneur. If you don't have your own local market that you know so well, like, and you speak the language, you know, the people there, if you don't have that sort of locked in, then there's just no way you should go anywhere else. And unless it's like what you said, somebody locally comes over and says, Hey, I'm going to do this for you. And honestly, that's, that's probably the best way to go. It sounds like, because that there's nothing there, I guess I think it's in order to really go global, you really need to go local and understand what that local market needs and those local communities need. And again, with philanthropy, I think it's the same way. You know, I, you, I agree. You, yeah, you come, you come riding in on your big white horse saying, I'm going to save the day. And then they're like, what, <laughs> what, what do you know? Right. Like you're, you, you, you leave this place and go back to your comfort. We're here every day trying to figure it out. And I think exactly. And we live having, in dirt. We live in dirt, you know, yeah, and, and we have yeah. to we have to walk we walk like how, I don't know how many miles to get some drinking water. And we, you know, and you name it. Yeah. <laughs> you name it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Exactly. You you go there, you stay there for a week, 10 days, two weeks, and then you go back to your comfort, you know, to to your sleepers and to your pool and to your gym. You exactly all those things. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta. It's so fascinating because I just I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I th- maybe it's because we live in the first world or the developed world, and we see we we see sort of like the what I call the PR version of poverty, and you know the the kind of the make us sort of care but not really care it, it, to the point where like okay, we'll give a little bit of money or whatever, but we don't really like see it. Like I think you got to be there boots on the ground, living in it to really appreciate the struggle and the hardship. And then once you, I think you've done that, then I think you ha- you're in a position to try and help. And I think that's the same way when you're building your business and you're taking your business into another market or you're pivoting, I think you really do got to feel the pain and, and, and not like, I mean, metaphorically, right? Like you, you got to live, you got to live the experiences as close as you can. Of course, you're never going to be, you know, I'm never going to be in a position like that. And, you know, and, and it's, you know, there has to be a certain level of compassion to that. But do you, do you think when, when entrepreneurs, like when they first get started um, and they're like building their brand and their business or whatever, and, and, and they're looking to kind of have a, I don't know, kind of a beachhead, I guess, in, and they're like local market, let's say, how, how would you tell them, okay, what are the things in the local markets that you need to really understand? And I, and the reason why I ask you this is because my guess is the same things you need to understand in other markets that you want to go into are probably similar. And then until you know those in your local market, it like probably doesn't make any sense. So I'm just curious if there's any translation back and forth. Yes. I mean, obviously your question has all all the sense in the world. And I I would say, yes, it is like that. But the thing is, it's like, there's a term that I I love to use, which is cognitive trap, cognitive trap, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we just don't know what we don't know. We don't see what we we don't know what we don't see. Mm -hmm. And we are so into the local community that it's very difficult for us, as I said before, to see our own belly button or our backyard. We just don't even see our, our backyard. We don't mm-hmm. see it. We don't understand it. So obviously, there has to be. I mean, are you are you a problem? So let me answer your question. <clears throat> are you a solution trying to find a problem? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know. So does the problem really exist? Mm-hmm. I've worked with people that were trying to find the problem. Yep. Okay. Yep. So even yep. if the problem really existed, guess what? They thought that th- that the market needed that, but actually the market wanted a different thing. 
And again, that's the second thing. One thing is what the market you think they need, and the other one is what the market wants. You have to give the market, you have to be talking to what the market wants and give them what they need because you are the expert in that area. But you have to be really, really careful about what the market wants, what the market wants, because they phrase it and they say it and they express it in their own words. Again, you see, you see the similarity between the local market and the foreign market, the global market, anywhere you go in the world, it's the yeah. exact same thing. Yeah, that's yeah. why, you know, that's why I really think people in general tend to be delusional mm. because they don't see that. I agree. And, and we are so much into our local market. Go to the street today. Go today to have a coffee to yeah. any bakery or any coffee shop around, around the neighborhood. Yeah. How many things are not being ever said, but they are there and you will never ask because why would you ask that question, that stupid question about your local market? Right. I mean, I live in the more local market. I knew, I knew, I know the market perfectly. But guess what? Probably the guy that sells ice cream in the local in the local store, he has a completely different view of the local market. Mm. Do you see this? Again, this is a blind spot. This is a cognitive trap. We yep. tend to think that we know everything about the local market, but that we don't ask the right questions. Mm. So we have to really know if what we are putting out there, our MVP or service, you know, minimum valuable product or service, if it's really going to solve a problem that exists. And number two, the problem, the problem, the people that really want a solution, people really want a solution and they're willing to pay for it mm. because there can be. And that's why, and that's the beauty. Again, I mean, I, I'm not a, de a denialist, let me say, <laughs> before, before I say what I'm going to say, right? I, I like to be very respectful, obviously, uh, as, as anybody else, but right. it's, it's March 2021. Tomorrow right. is already April. Yeah, I know. Right, and crazy. we all know what has happened in the last 12 uh, months in on Earth, right? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. all know. You know, I actually just just 12 months and a half. I was fleeing fleeing Florida back to Texas just in case. Yeah, and you yeah, understand, yeah. and you I'm put yourself you. in that mindset because you were you you perfectly remember where you were in March 2020. Everybody will remember that. Yeah, okay? for sure. So you know, it's 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 the exact same thing. So we have to be fully conscious of what's going on in the world because the last 12 months have changed the psyche of the market. Mm -hmm. And this is the great opportunity. That, that, that's why I was apologizing before even saying anything, which is <laughs> the market has changed dramatically. The first question I am, I'm asking myself and I'm asking my clients to ask themselves is, what do you think? What's that feeling? What's that emotion that you <coughs> think that everybody now has in their minds that they didn't have 12 months ago? And that already answers a lot of questions. Yeah. I gave a couple of webinars to the local business accelerators here in Dallas. I'm very involved with, uh, with the business community here, entrepreneurial community. I gave a couple of webinars last year about pivoting in times of crisis. Mm -hmm. Pivoting in times of crisis. It was all about reinventing yourself. Mm -hmm. And what I was telling them, how do you think your potential you know, product, product buyers or service buyers have changed in the last few months? I don't know. They have less money. Okay. Some that may be. Some that may have be. more, right? Exactly. 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 Some may, may have more. Some may be thinking, okay, it's the right time to sharpen the knife. Yeah. What does that mean? Right? Yeah. But also, there's something that we cannot deny, which is fear. Yes. Very powerful emotion. Yeah. Okay. So how has the decision process of your future or existing clients has changed? How has that changed the, the way they buy, knowing that they are more in fear than 12 months ago or last year, 10 months ago or six yeah. months ago. So that's very important. You have to take that into consideration every single time you're going to launch, you're going to pivot, you're going to do anything as an entrepreneur. So I think those, those three ideas are, are, are paramount, are very, very important. You know, and everybody knows what they're passionate about. Everybody knows more or less what the others tell them that they're really good at. But what about the money? And what about the market? Mm. They have to answer those questions. Yeah. No, um, that's that's a great place to end it. On <laughs> 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 um, those thank words you. of wisdom. So, Angel, thank you, thank you so much for, for your time. C continue Absolutely. to do all the great work you're doing, both in Latin America and here, of course, in the States. And uh, thank you. Yeah. Stay in touch and uh, stay safe. Absolutely. Thank you. I will. Thank you very much. Uh, Jerry, for the opportunity here today, and thank you very much, everybody who's uh, listening. You know, listening to to us uh, for your patience and 
and for your company. Thank you. Thanks, Angel, for being on the show. What you're doing is truly inspirational. Now, as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from Angel in our interview. Whether you're in business or in philanthropy, learning about and understanding the community you want to serve is absolutely essential. There is no one-size-fits-all solutions, and Angel demonstrated this by when he goes and helps kids in all of these rural communities. Connect first. Angel and his co-founders start out their work with kids by connecting with them at their level through music, movement, and conversation. Collaboration can be the key to growth and success. Angel helps foster partnerships and collaborations to help businesses grow. This is so important when you're expanding internationally because you just don't know what you don't know. And it's better to have a local partner that can understand every little nuance that may be going on in another country. So there you go. Some actionable insights I learned from my interview with Angel. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.